Hi everyone, I'm Heaven. I'm Tracy. And welcome to another round with Heaven and Tracy. Oh, let's see the, the vocal <laughs> range. The baritone. Out. Yes. I don't know yes. what the baritone is. I, I was going to say baritone, <laughs> but I was like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. We have such a fun show today. I can't wait. What's going on today? So, first of all, this is a completely G rated episode. Yes. Because we have the world's most incredible 11-year-old in the building. Mm-hmm. And we want everyone of all ages to be able to hear the show. And we're talking to the amazing 11-year-old dynamo, Marley Diaz, who decided that she was tired of reading books about white boys and their dogs. So that, said, That's a direct quote. That is a direct quote from her. <laughs> so she decided to do something about it, and she's going to tell us about her campaign. And we're going to be talking to the legendary Ashley Ford, who we love so, so much. She is a dynamic writer, and she's a huge fan of reading. And so we're going to have a fun little roundtable discussion. Yes, Our books. first roundtable in yes. the studio. So we have water and various juices <laughs> to sip upon today. And we're also going to talk about a movie that we saw together. We went to go see Zootopia. It is an animated movie. It's a kid's movie, but it tackles some really big adult issues and serious stuff. And yeah, we, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, let's get into it. So what was this movie about, Tracy? It was about a lot. There was a... <laughs> Let's start were, small. What happened? There was a lot going on. So the movie is about a cute little bunny rabbit. Mm-hmm. Her name is Laura. No, her name is Judy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, they both have two syllables. Common mistake, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, continue. <laughs> So it's a fictional universe where animals live together. Right. Some of them live in like the burrows of if you like if the main character is a rabbit, so you live mm-hmm. in a burrow. But other people live in this area called Zootopia. Uh-huh. Zootopia is like the big city. Yeah, everyone lives in harmony. So prey and predator live together in harmony. Like yeah. they've evolved past their quote unquote primi- primitive savage instincts, and they live together. There's this bunny who is the main character. Her name is Judy Hopper. <laughs> Not Hopper. Hops. Hoppy. What is her name? Hops. Judy Hops. Okay. Yeah. You know what's crazy? I have the website open right in front of me. I have no idea why this is happening to me. Yo, you sound like a Steve Harvey reviewing a movie. <laughs> Hops! Hopper! <laughs> okay, so the main character is a bunny named Judy Hops, and her dream is to become a police officer. She wants to be a cop. Uh, Hops wants to be a cop. Okay. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, bunnies can't be cops, blah, 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 blah. But she's very determined and she becomes a cop. She moves to the big city of Zootopia. Mm-hmm. And she fights really hard to be given a chance to be a real cop. And the boss is like, "Get go write some tickets. You're just going to be a meter maid. And so she gets one of this big conspiracy, which is kind of weird. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, my Um, God, that part was so weird. (laughs) It was weird. And so basically it's like, will she or won't she be able to solve this conspiracy and rise above, like, her the stereotypes that were plaguing her? Yeah. So the stereotype is she's a dumb bunny. Yeah. That's what she's working with. Right. (laughs) She's just a dumb bunny. There's a fox in the movie who is, like, his stereotype is a sly fox or, like, a cheating, clever, too too sneaky fox. Yeah, he's a hustler. Yeah, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, like, I feel like there's a whole genre of kids movies now that are basically Jason Bateman movies on animals. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up the voice actor. Oh, my God. And the fox was Jason Bateman. Literally Jason Bateman. <laughs> it's like, I'm a 
brunette dude <laughs> and I'm having trouble in my life and like this Doing woman what I can to like, shows me the way by mm. her charm and wit and she she's also a brunette <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh the struggle and no the, the learning right so to describe the animals it's important to note that they like some of them are very specific to their real life animal parts and some of them are like she has the figure of a human woman yeah, she's a her, bunny. Her waist to hip ratio is it's like, wild. I was like, I should not be envious of a cartoon. Listen, bunny, but here I am. <laughs> that so that was though. interesting. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, that was ridiculous. It was. It and was then like ridiculous. the bears are very like plump, and like a bunny's pretty plump. It's not like a svelte are plump. Like You're right. uh, how often do you see a skinny bunny? <laughs> mm, if you do see a skinny bunny, you're probably right. Yeah. So. The movie's gotten a lot of attention because it deals, I would say, pretty overtly deals with the issue of, like, racial stereotypes. Yeah, you can't miss it. <laughs> Unless it's just a thing that you never think about. Right, right, right. In which case you may learn something. Word. Not in case you're a child and you hadn't thought about it. Just in case you are a person who does not think about it. If you're white. That is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so the conspiracy was a little hard to follow after a while. But it you really know, was. Yeah, if you don't want this part spoiled, then skip ahead to the next segment. Uh, we understand and we'll forgive you. <laughs> so they're living in this in this utopia where predators and prey live side by side. Everything is fine. But at random, some of the predators become what they refer to as savage, where they would like revert back to like snarling and growling and wanting to kill things because they're bears and that's right. what they do, right? That's the, that's that's how they describe that. So my interpretation was that the predators were symbolic of people of color right. in American society, yeah. right? And um, once they like revert to like being savage and primitive, which are ways that people of color are often described, particularly yeah. when they like There's break social norms, right, right, right. <laughs> then that was blamed initially on it's just in their DNA. It's yeah. just who they are. They can't help it. Even the bunny said that, and that was a huge thing. She's right. Like, losing friends over it yeah <laughs> she she had a tough time so the conspiracy is that so the lion is the mayor who and he's a predator right he looked really fine but i did not want that voice to be what came out of that yeah that, we thought he was gonna cartoon be, body we thought he was gonna be black but he's very clearly not yeah <laughs> that's it yeah but he also wasn't a very nice guy he wasn't yeah. very nice to his assistant who was a lamb oh my god a lion and a lamb are oh you kidding god. me <laughs> I just got that. Um, he's treating her poorly, so she wants revenge on him. And the way that she does that is she makes this serum that, like, makes any animal that is hit with it just, like, savage. And she only hits predators with it. She was trying to set up the the mayor so that she could be mayor. It's a really complicated way to get him out of office when you think about it. <laughs> it is. So I had this idea that maybe that was, like, a... About the crack epidemic, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Which I cannot substantiate at all. I was just like, is that what... Because it's just like, a, it's just a weird plot point. And yeah, I was like, I, what are they trying the to say? That's the part I want to talk about. There's this flower called like night, a night howler. And apparently when the animals, when any animal eats it, whether it's predator or prey, then they just, they become savage and snarling and they just act like animals <laughs> instead of animals who wear clothes. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's a chemical that she's literally injecting into all the predators, aka all the people of color, mm -hmm. to ruin their stake in society. And I'm watching it and I'm like, is this, 
this about crack? Is this about the crack <laughs> epidemic? Yeah, like the part where it's like the government was injecting you with something yeah. to decimate your community. Right. <laughs> like, is this about the Tuskegee experiments or our whole history of testing things on people yeah. of color? I didn't even think about it. And Tuskegee. like the science and experimentation part of it. Yeah. They're like, Which is... they had this like whole lab situation where they're trying to figure out how to do this to them. Yeah. It was weird. And it was very like systematic too. <laughs> and so that made me think, you know how like cartoon movies, like a good cartoon movie has stuff for kids, but also stuff for adults. Yeah. I felt like if that is actually an intentional thing that they did, that they did that for the black people. <laughs> <laughs> a little Easter egg for the black right, people. Right, right, right. And then the kids and the white people can enjoy this very animated discussion oh of race. Oh my God, Tracy, is my favorite theory about this movie. In a palatable way, you know? <laughs> I was going to say this movie feels like it's for white adults. That too. It's like, all right, white adults, we know you speak in Jason Bateman movies. <laughs> Let's get this to you. <laughs> Let's inject it into your, your system. Seriously, though, because like when I was watching it at first, I was like, wow, all of this is like a little too on the nose. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, it's on the nose if you are well versed in discussing race, right. which a lot of white people are not because these are not things that they have to think this about. This is true. And this also overtly felt like we are explaining this very difficult premise of race yeah. to you. Like there was a part where like. I think it was Nick the Fox called the bunny cute. No, it wasn't Nick. It was uh, it was like a cheater or something. And he referred to the bunny, Judy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he referred to Judy as cute. And Judy was Elizabeth. like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Continue. And basically cute is the N-word for bunnies. Oh, my God. <laughs> because she was like, yeah, you know, uh, we can call each other cute, but when you do it, it's kind of like... Hi. O-M goodness. They really did hire a bunny. <laughs> what? <laughs> I gotta tell you, you are even cuter than I thought you'd be. Ooh, uh, you probably didn't know, but a bunny can call another bunny cute, but when other animals do it, it's a little... <gasps> I am so sorry. Me, Benjamin Clawhauser. The guy everyone thinks is just a flabby donut-loving cop stereotyping you. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. And that is quite definitely plainly oh and clearly about the N-word. Oh, my you know? God. I forgot about that. <laughs> it was like, wow, this is just it really It happened direct. twice. <laughs> right. And it happened in like the first five minutes. Uh, <laughs> uh, this movie yeah. was cute, though. Yeah. So in that way, it definitely does feel like it was made for white adults. You're right. I agree with that. But to conclude the discussion of Zootopia, I liked it. It was cute. It was very like, It was cute. very precious. I did a lot of chuckling. Yeah. There are many chuckleable moments. There are some real fun, like, just animal, goofy moments. Mm-hmm. Definitely take your white people to see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the sloths are the real MVP. <gasps> the sloths are hilarious because they're so sloths. <laughs> they're so precious and they're, like, to the point. They are. Hey, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I they work sloth. at the DMV. I, I was like, that's really how it be at the DMV, though. <laughs> they be so slow. That was an expert casting oh of, my God. of DMV workers. It's honestly a good way to explain race and stereotypes and double yeah. standards to people who never, ever, ever think about it. They and should people... probably use it for HR training. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to cackle. But shout out to Zootopia. I'm so, so excited to talk to our next guest. I've been watching her interviews on the internet for like the past two or three days. 
She's so adorable. She's so adorable. Her name is Marley Diaz. And she came to everyone's attention a few months ago when she was like, I'm tired of reading books. Her words specifically about white boys and their dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) When I heard that, I was like, same. Same. So she launched a campaign and. 11, right? You're 11? Yep. Okay. So she's only 11 years old. She's launched a campaign called 1,000 Black Girl Books, where she sets out to collect thousands of books about black girls because they do exist. We just don't get fed them enough, like, books about white boys and their dogs. Mm. Um, And the books have been donated all over the world. Once again, she's 11 years old. I have not launched a single successful campaign in any of my 33 years. (laughs) Um, So I'm excited to talk to you. And learn from you, everybody. Please welcome Marley. Hey. Hey, girl. What's up? (laughs) How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. I had to think about my answer, but I'm mostly okay. Um, So we want to start off with a question that I have heard you answer before, but I love your answer so much. We're going to ask it for our audience. Why is it so important to you that you read a book about somebody who looks like you? Okay. Well, it's important because you guys host a show, like a podcast show or a show where you talk about like problems and issues of the day or whatever you want to discuss. Mm -hmm. So if you read a book about two girls who love, or two black girls, or black women in this case, who love to do, like, have a show, then you would learn, and they learned how to make their audience more drawn to what they're saying, then you would read that book, you would enjoy it, and you would remember, oh, they're black women, oh, they do this, and I can use that in my show or in my life to make it better and happier. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> we have a really, really good friend that also works with us, and sometimes she comes mm-hmm. on the show. Her name is Stacey Marie Ishmael. Mm-hmm. And one of the smartest things I've ever heard her say is, You can't be what you can't see. Do you think that that's sort of applicable? Like, if you never heard or read a story about like a black woman doctor, then maybe you wouldn't even know that it was possible for black girls to become doctors. I agree. Definitely. All right. Amen. Amen. So we heard also that you went to Africa? You went to Ghana? Yep. What did it feel like to be in a country where there's all black people? It was really cool because you don't see a lot of black people on billboards, but literally every single place you went, there's a black person on a billboard, there was mm. a black person on the street, there was a black person at a job. I mean, you see them everywhere in America, but just not, it's just that it's not like a big deal like there. It's not like, oh, I'm black. It's in, mm-hmm. in Ghana, it's just like, okay. Yeah. I've been that way all my life. I don't know any different. Mm. And it's it, it is the same in America, but we don't it just there's so much difference in everyone mm-hmm. that it's just hard for us to sometimes feel like we're special or that we're important because we know there's other people mm-hmm. out there who are still different than us and does it, what does that prove to us? It doesn't give us power, it doesn't make us feel important if we feel like we're alone. Oh my god, that's beautiful. I wanna Thank go. You. And then also you're going to Liberia next? Yes. What are you doing there? Well, social action, of course. Well, I don't know specifically yet, but we want to still include 1,000 Black Girl books and any kind of way that we can help in the community. Because although we've been starting more projects, we still want to be able to not always be the boss because you need to learn an experience where you're not just the leader and whatever you say goes, where you're just following someone else's directions. Because listening is definitely an important trait you need, even if you are the leader of a project. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, that you was just incredible. Thank you. Just, I really, mind. really have been thinking a lot about the importance of listening. Mm. So that that really rung true for me. Are you sure you're just eleven? Yep. Like sure, sure. Uh, uh, 
I don't know. You might be taller than me, so <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure. So another thing that I really, really love about you is how often you talk about your besties, your best friends. Yep. Tell us about your friends, your best friends. Okay. I can do this. Okay. All day. Oh. Well, we'll do Amina first because, um, well, Amina's my, um, my oldest, one of my oldest best friends who I still hang out with continuously. We go to the same um, middle school and we met in elementary school, first grade. She was my first friend. Aww. She was the first person who I didn't, uh, that, who called me crazy and <laughs> I didn't really care in like any way. It was like, oh, yay, my best friend called me crazy. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so that's kind of how we became best friends. Like she was the one I was always willing to like go out and do whatever we wanted. And she'd be like, wait, we got to think. <laughs> Amina loves math and she loves singing and dancing and performing so much. So I like dancing, but I don't like the singing aspect because I don't have a good voice for singing. <laughs> so that's kind of always been the thing that we do together because mm-hmm. we love we just like entertaining it's a lot of fun and i'm pretty funny so <laughs> sometimes i'll make jokes and she'll like sing or do whatever mm-hmm. in in cohesion with that so then um brianna she's like the most cheery person you'll ever meet ever <laughs> she loves my little pony she loves video games so does amina but she loves video games like, <laughs> like she'll spend all day just on youtube looking at stuff for video games all day looking at new chargers and new like sweatshirts that are themed mm. about video games and she <laughs> loves animals so much so <gasps> me too yeah that's awesome so <laughs> she has a social uh, action project last year we won the Disney Friends for Change grant all three of us and together we create BAM which is our social action organization together so she had um an animal thing an animal theme thing for unaccompanied minors or orphans or like parent uh, kids without parents so they got to hang out with pets for the day which was a hundred percent awesome and then Amina had a fashion show because she loves fashion. Forgot to say that too. She loves fashion. She had a fashion show. So that's what they love to do. What advice would you give to a kid who wants to get into helping people but doesn't know where to start? Well, the first thing where to start is that you don't need to compare yourself because I didn't want to compare this project to something that I'd seen before. Although it was new, you still have to, you should look at what other people have done, but never try to become, think that you have to be better than them. Like if your social action project or whatever you want to start in your community is small, is that's okay. Helping Five people is okay, but then you just got to do it again and again and again mm-hmm. until it becomes a very big group of people. It's okay if you don't succeed at the first time because I didn't think I was going to succeed. I thought I was going to learn about failure and then do it again next year. <laughs> so you just always have to try your best, but it doesn't mean be the best. Mm. I feel so inspired. Advice. Thank you. So we want to hear a little more about what books you love, and we're going to recommend some amazing black girl books, too, to our listeners. Um, So we're going to do a little roundtable discussion in a moment. To help us with this discussion, we really wanted to include our friend Ashley Ford, who is a beautiful writer and a lover of books. And Ashley raised thousands and thousands of dollars for Ferguson Public Library, and she knows all about it, all about the biz. I know a little bit about a little bit. Hi. 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 Welcome to the conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be here. Did you feel represented in the books you read as a as you grew up? Um, my grandmother specifically took very good care to find me books with little black girls mm. in them when I was younger. Uh, she had a hard time, <laughs> so she ended up actually having me read a lot of books about animals uh, mm. because she couldn't find too many books that with young black girls 
as protagonists. Two of the books that she had for me and kind of taught me to read with were Amazing Grace by Mary Hoffman Mm. and the book Tar Beach, um, which was just a really beautiful dreamscape book that I still think about a lot. What about you, Tracy? I also read a lot of books about animals, and I can't decide if I read a lot of books about animals because I like animals so much or if it's just because they were it was easier for me to like relate to like a talking like sheep than like a little white redheaded boy with a girl. Yeah, it was a <laughs> white boy with a dog, if you will. I feel like one of the first times I felt represented in a book was probably Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. Hmm. And I was... We have a fan. We have a fan in the studio. I mean, it took me a long time to have that moment where I was like, hey, I feel like I'm reading about somebody who could be like me. Mm -hmm. What about you? I didn't feel represented in pop culture. Mm -hmm. But I would like sometimes skim over the descriptions of people in books. Mm. Like, it's not really that important to me that she's brunette and this foot tall. Like, I imagine different people. And sometimes I get frustrated. Mm -hmm. Like, with Harry Potter, for example, I thought I was Hermione. I, I obviously am. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> but once a person's cast in the role, you always associate it with that with that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it ruins the fun and the importance of like your imagination and being able to see yourself in the story. Mm-hmm. But in general, I just I didn't I read a lot of books, but none of them, none of them yeah. had black girls in it. Yeah. yeah. I probably didn't really start feeling continuously represented until I started reading like autobiographies of yeah. actual yeah. black people. Yeah. And like poetry, like Maya Angelou. Yeah. I read my mother's copy of uh, one of my Angelou's um, memoirs called Heart of a Woman. Mm-hmm. And I read that when I was in about fourth grade, mm. I think. And that was one of, that was that led me to I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Uh-huh. I read that book first. Oh, I have that poem memorized. You do? Do you? Mm-hmm. Would, you like to, <laughs> would you like to give us a little bit? If I can fully remember. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, continue so that I can. Okay, you are on <laughs> Well, we're going to ask Ashley another question. So, Ashley once said that books saved you. Yeah. What does that mean? I would say that at a time in my life or many times in my life where I felt very lonely, I found stories or friends or companions in books that sort of pushed me over or held me over while I was going through some really intense emotional things. And, you know, it was really the stories that helped me feel less alone in the world. Mm-hmm. Aww. So why and how did you get involved in the Ferguson Public Library? Basically what happened was the night that um, we found out Darren Wilson would not be indicted, I was on Twitter I don't remember where I was. I I, I want to say I was probably just home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw the decision come down. And, you know, immediately, you know, if you're on Twitter and following, you know, the kind of people I follow, you know, the timeline just blew up. Mm-hmm. You know, like you could barely keep up. And people were despairing, mm-hmm. rightfully so. And I felt the same way. But my reaction to despair traditionally has been, you know, to look for what I can do and Mm. look for how I can be helpful. And the only thing that I could really think of in that moment was that um, one of my coworkers at the time, Joel Anderson of BuzzFeed, had mentioned earlier that he had been going to the library 
because people have been getting kicked out of like the McDonald's and other places that had free Wi-Fi, like a lot of journalists that were in the area were being kicked out of those places. And I also saw that the library was making all these announcements about how they would be open when schools would be closed Mm -hmm. and that they partnered with teachers that they could hold class um, or like some sort of activity for students while things were, you know, essentially going up in flames in Ferguson. And I thought when I think about my hometown library, the one that I used to walk to constantly. And I'm thinking about kids who probably hopefully go to this library and find help and find things to like just pass the time or to make them feel more safe, Mm. that that's the thing I most want to support right now. So I just put out there that I just donated $50 to Ferguson Library and I hope you'll do the same. And then I wrote some of the things that I saw that the library had done uh, while the uprisings were happening in Ferguson. And it just, I mean, I'm, I don't, I can't really place it. Like, I can't really say that it was this one person who, like, retweeted or said they were doing it too that sort of made it jump. But somebody did. Um, and I, like, it wasn't me. <laughs> like, I may have, like, said that and then somebody else saw it, but... It was just, it was a really beautiful moment in the midst of something really terrible. After everything, they had raised close to half a million dollars. And wow. they were able to. That is incredible. Yeah. That's cool. It, it is. was really cool. If you have any time later, can you tweet about my student loan debt? And maybe <laughs> other people will donate half a million. No. <laughs> you know what? It doesn't even have to be half a million. Like, Tracy. Let, me, let me get like 50 <laughs> Tracy. Okay, fine. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Okay, so Marley and Ashley, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about the books that we love. And we're going to do this in round table style. So we'll ask one question and then we'll each go around and answer it. Cool? Okie dokie. Okie dokie, artichokey. Marley, what is the book that most influenced you growing up? Well, I'm still growing up. True. But <laughs> there's, okay, so there's, there's two. Okay. One that's very ironic that no one really expected that would influence me that I think is funny. And the second one that definitely shaped me the most. So the one that shaped me the most I'll do first. So that was Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson. And I'm a very, very avid reader. Like, I read a lot. I can comprehend. I do read fast. I mean, mm. it's gotten slower in my reading because I read thicker books that take harder to understand. But, like, mm-hmm. I've always been able to finish a book, understand it, write something about it, and then be done. Mm-hmm. And then this book I got for my ninth birthday, yeah, Ninth birthday by uh, from my TT, my aunt, and she said, "Okay, read this. This reminds me of you." So I, I started to read it. I didn't understand. I didn't know what to do because I never just not understood like, <laughs> at all. Like I have no clue what she's trying to say. I have no clue what this means, and I just shut it up. I just pushed it aside and forgot about it until the next year when my TT come my so my TT comes back and she says, "How is the book?" Mm-hmm. And I say, "I didn't I didn't even finish it because I didn't understand." And she said, "Maybe you should try again." So I did because I normally never even get to the step of try again. It's not even like <laughs> like in the saying like in the Bam. saying it's like if you fail. Try again. Like, I'm not even at the if part. I'm not even at the space before that. <laughs> after this, before this moment. So, 
I'm already failed, and I haven't even admitted to that. I just think that whatever, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm not computing the fact that I <laughs> am having trouble. And so and then I realize that, and I read the book, and I'm still kind of frustrated that I didn't understand it. And then I realize that I do get it now, and it made me so happy. Mm. I was like, oh, yay. <laughs> that happened, and I read it, and then I, fu- I understood. I was like, why am I not seeing this in school? Mm. Why is no one else telling me about these books? Why did my aunt have to go on Amazon and look for books about black girls mm-hmm. instead of being able to go and find one herself? Mm-hmm. It just all hit me at once. Like, why is this not anywhere? Mm-hmm. So, and then I went to my class and I saw it in my fifth grade class. And that's how the project started. And then this, the, the first book that I read that actually influenced me but was really funny is that it's a book called Croc on the Rock. It's like <laughs> a very simple book. And you'll never guess who the main character is. Is it a crocodile? Nope. What? It's a white boy and a dog. (laughs) (laughs) And it's one of the first books I have ever read by myself. Oh, my god! Which is hilarious. (laughs) And I love that book, and I still have it at my house now. Mm -hmm. And it's really funny. Now that the project just started, and I went through my bookshelf, like, what books do I have when we started? And I realized... Why is Croc on the Rock here? Like, it doesn't belong here. <laughs> and then I, I showed it to my mom, and she was like, well, this is one of the first books you ever read. And I was like, but but why? But why did we pick this one? Like, we should have maybe thought about that. <laughs> but it, it did teach me how to read, and it, it expanded my vocabulary, and it taught me how to talk, talk in full, complete sentences. So mm-hmm. it did help me become more articulate. But at the same time, it was against what my project is about. <laughs> we all got to start somewhere. That's we okay. Do. Ashley, what about you? The book that influenced you most growing up? I I mean, I'm the same as Marley. I have two. And the first one is Amazing Grace. And that influenced me for weird reasons. I mean, good reasons. First being that the the little girl, um, Grace, who is the protagonist of the book, is a performer or wants to be a performer. And she really loves playing pretend. And for most of my life, I wanted to be an actress, like probably up until I went to college. And a friend of mine wanted to be an actor as well and ended up living in California, living in his car. And I was like, I don't think I love acting that much. (laughs) So (laughs) I was trying to think of something I did love that much. But I loved the book because, you know, part of it is that this little black girl is told that she can't play Peter Pan because she's black and then also because she's a girl. Mm. And, you know, spoiler alert, in the end, she not only does she get the role of Peter Pan, but she blows everybody away. Mm. And so I loved that. Also, um, my fifth, my um, kindergarten picture and the picture of Grace look almost identical. Aww. And so for a long time, my father nice. is an artist. Um, so for a long time, I thought that like, my father had drawn the oh book for me. Um, so that's like a weird one that I loved. And then the book Walk Two Moons by Sharon Creech oh. had a really huge effect on me. I actually reread it almost every year oh. uh, because it's it, to, I, it honestly is to me one of the most poignant books about women and about grief that I've ever read in my entire life mm. to this point. That sounds amazing. It does. Mm-hmm. Evan, what about you? I read a lot of books with young girls who were, like, inquisitive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, you're Harriet the Spies. Yeah. <laughs> I read a lot of Encyclopedia Brown. I thought I was Encyclopedia Brown. I you am Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Brown. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think of those, the one 
And of course, your Judy Blooms. Oh, yeah. Judy the God. <laughs> yes. I think the one that influenced me the most was Matilda. Aww. Oh, I love I love Matilda. Matilda. It really captured for me. There are other girls out there, too, who are just stowing away in their books because the outside world's not that great. Mm-hmm. And... Also, I just wanted secret powers to finally come in. <laughs> so when are my secret powers coming in? <laughs> so that was, yeah, I think that one was the one that made me, that like best describes my relationship to books as a kid. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it was Charlotte's Web. Ooh. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, because I mean, it's really the first book that I ever fell in love with. Like, could not stop reading it, could not put it down. Also, it was just like a really pretty world that somebody else created. And yeah. I was just like, yo, you can you can just, anybody can do this. Like, I can think of a world where, like, spiders talk and stuff. And, like, yeah. I just felt so, like. I mean, you loved animals. So yeah. You, you yeah. had yeah. Yeah. It makes a story. lot of sense. It's I was crazy. so into sense. it. I was so into it. But I think that's the first time where I was like, okay, I want to do this. Like, I want to write a book one day that makes somebody feel the way that this book has made me feel. And mm-hmm. it's, like, been on my list of favorite books since the second grade. Aww. Shout out to Charlotte, girl. Charlotte knows my heart. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Oh, spoiler my bad. alert. My bad, my bad. Wow. <laughs> you could just edit wow. that out. Wow. <laughs> but also R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, stop. I know. Um, Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> Why you sound nervous? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> what? What world of a book would you most want to live in, oh and why? Marley's got her answer already. Oh Sorry, I had goodness. this question earlier, and I love my answer so much. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go first, though. Go oh, first. yeah, go but hurry up! You? I want to get some. Go first. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh man. Oh, this is such a hard question because I'm like I'm so obsessed with Harry Potter. And I can't imagine not wanting to have gone to Hogwarts and I know I would have been in Dumbledore's army and I would have, you know, like that battle was Mm -hmm. terrible. But I think like there's something about being on the side of good and like fighting for the greater good and things like that. Like, don't get me wrong. I have no desire to go to war. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to go to war. (laughs) But, you know... I like fantastical things and I love whimsy Mm -hmm. and I just can't imagine that that wouldn't be a wonderful place for me to be. Mm -hmm. All right, Marley, your turn. Okay. So mine is kind of ridiculous, but it's awesome. So I picked like the world that Charlie Brown lives in, but I picked this for a really funny reason because like Charlie Brown is amazed by everything. So like, so because his whole life has been portrayed through these comics and this movie and this book, I mean, and these books and like every, everywhere, basically, (laughs) if I were to go to his his world and tell him everything about him, he would be so amazed by me. (laughs) I I would become like the queen of wherever they live. And that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Because you would know everything about them. And it wouldn't be kind of, it wouldn't be that creepy to them because they're all going to stay kids. They all stay kids (laughs) forever. But to adults, that would have been like, wow, restraining (laughs) order. You're right, you're right. Oh my God. (laughs) Heaven, what about you? (laughs) That's such an amazing answer. (laughs) I can't top that. I think I have to agree with Ashley. I think mine is Harry Potter too. Uh huh. I think it was just. If you're a part of the Harry Potter generation, like I was, I remember I was in third grade when the third book came out and I had a teacher named Ms. Chambers and, or it was the second book. Mm-hmm. 
Chamber of Secrets. (laughs) And we made horrible jokes about that all the time. (laughs) But yeah, it was just such a big part. If you grew up while that was like playing out that whole seven elegy, (laughs) all all of them, you know, Uh it was so exciting. I totally wanted to go to Hogwarts. You're a Ravenclaw. Oh my God, I feel insulted. Really? What? Ravenclaw? You're a Ravenclaw? What is it about me that suggests Ravenclaw? Um, the fact that you got the charger in the phone and you took off your glasses for the headphones because you want to preserve the glasses. Me, the glasses, meh. But <laughs> interesting evidence. But you got your legs crossed. Very research based. <laughs> you see. Oh my god! I feel like this, I'm being you wear a college jersey. <laughs> Yeah. Your laptop has multiple tabs open. Oh man! <laughs> See? <laughs> See, you're Ravenclaw. Yo, you know I've not I read. I, just, I think I just have to accept this. <laughs> I have not read one Harry Potter book. So I don't even know what's going on. Okay, this so is like, very Gryffindor is like the me. leader. Like, yo, bro. Okay. And Ravenclaw is like, hello. <laughs> Would you like to discuss the plaguing issues of society? <laughs> wow, we go. Ravenclaw. While we go play cricket. <laughs> and a Hufflepuff is like, bro, have you ever seen inside your soul? I can look for your soul. Wait, is that That's me? Yeah, you're a Hufflepuff. You're a Hufflepuff. And then I'm Slytherin a- is like. Mari's making a face. <laughs> That's thing face. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Really? Huh. Huh. I feel like I'm Slytherin and Ravenclaw. Yeah, yeah. you can be both. That's like yeah. the most common. But me. I'm a I'm a Hucklebuck. What is it Hufflepuff. called? Hufflepuff. 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 <laughs> they're like honey. They're like thing is a honey badger, and like Gryffindors yes. is a Gryffin, and honey Ravenclaw is a dope. Raven, and then Slytherin is a snake. Huh. Okay. I feel All like right. I've learned so much about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy the Hucklebuck. Tra- what Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Tracy? Yeah. Um. Probably Alice in Wonderland. Ooh. Oh, nice, nice. Because Ooh, sorry, I got really just, excited about that one. <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed like the the most beautiful, like crazy coloring book page, like you've ever mm-hmm. colored, like came to life. Would also be a little bit scary seeing as how there's this scary. murderous queen. And yeah, the, but cat. the, yeah, the cat. The cat scares The cat me. is kind of creepy. It's really like creepy. A ma- one of its eyes could be like in like in the Queen of Arts palace and the yeah. other, the rest of its body yeah. could be like having tea with you. That's like... <laughs> yeah, that no. cat was on. It was, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm no. pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the cat was a lot. But there was the the caterpillar. He was kind of cool. Yeah, kind of thought he was, was very. Cool. He was but very he was kind of promoting child. smoking for children. Like Alice <laughs> was right there, <laughs> he was. and he was smoking. Well, he didn't offer her any though. Well, <laughs> me, he kind of did. Okay. He was just like standing there, didn't even <laughs> yeah. mention like excuse me or anything. <laughs> tried to make it look cool. Yeah, yeah. he tried to oh make it gosh. look even cooler. Mm. Smoke. Yeah. Mm. Well, maybe when I live inside of this world, I'll find the caterpillar. Yeah, you probably will. And be like, listen, I got some patches for you. This is a bad <laughs> habit. It's not cool. Some gum. Make some PSAs with the yeah. cat. Yeah. <laughs> with the creepy cat. Ashley, what book made you most want to be a writer? Hmm. The book that probably made me most want to be a writer, I feel like this is so telling, is Romeo and Juliet. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> say more, say more. Yeah. Um, well, I read Romeo and Juliet uh, the first time in the third grade, heavily influenced to watch it 
or to want to read it by the fact that the movie was out there somewhere in the world. So in third grade, you're reading Shakespearean yeah. English. Yeah. Naturally. Naturally. And yeah. just being like, yeah, and I wait, get it. And wait, <laughs> you were reading Walk Two Moons, right? Yeah, I also read Walk Two Moons. This is a lot. That's a lot, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was a... Uh, oh, goodness. I really liked the book. I wanted to understand it, and I wanted to figure out, so mm-hmm. I used to copy it. Um, my favorite I passages I used to mm-hmm. copy into notebooks, and I would memorize them, and I loved both the performance element of it and mm-hmm. also just the beauty of the words put together. Mm-hmm. I thought it was one of the most gorgeous things I'd ever read in my entire life and Mm. it continued to be that we read it again when I was a freshman in high school and I think I was probably almost scary to my classmates how obsessed I was (laughs) with it and how much I loved it and I I just like I, I never wanted to write like Shakespeare but I wanted to write something that made people feel the way I felt when I read Romeo and Juliet Mm -hmm. Wow. They're great. I was a weirdo. (laughs) What about you, Trace? Probably, I cannot remember which compilation it was, but it was a compilation of Maya Angelou's poetry. The first time I realized that I wanted to be a writer outside of Charlotte's Web, I was, like, obsessed with poetry. So I wanted to be a published poet, specifically. Mm. Um, And my mom just, like, filled my bookshelf with, like, all the Harlem Renaissance writers, County Cullens, Ronald Hurston, and she also gave me a copy of um, a book of my Angela's poetry. And I was like, yep, this nice. is this is what I want to do. Amazing. And then I started writing the worst Baby poetry. Tracy. Oh, my gosh. It was so <laughs> bad. I wrote my first poem when I was in second grade. I still have it. <laughs> oh, my God. It was a poem about Halloween. And here's how you know that I was dope because it didn't rhyme. Oh, <laughs> eight years what? old, writing poems that don't rhyme. Pew, 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 What about you? Um, I think there were a lot of, like, in general, I wanted to be a writer. And I don't think it was necessarily related to to the books that I had read. But Mm -hmm. then, once I read The Bluest Eye in high school, Mm. I was like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. First of all, I've talked about it on the show, but that book is incredible. It's about a black girl in in a world where she's not the beauty standard. Oh, I get it. The bluest eye. (laughs) (laughs) And I I remember while I was reading it, like the first few pages that I was like so taken aback by it that I had to put it down because I just had not heard people articulate what it was like to be a Mm. black girl in that way. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like I, that experience that I had was incredible. And if I, as a writer, can in any way, give that experience to someone else. Mm-hmm. That'd be amazing. I love that this is a common thread in like all of our answers is that we want to make other people feel the way that we felt when we read our favorite stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charlotte's Web, mm-hmm. uh, The Moth of Blue Sky, which I just got. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> also, I really want to be Harriet the Spy. I want to be a spy. Mm. Not but who a didn't want to be Harriet <laughs> the Spy? I, I know. feel like she just made being like a nosy loner sound like the coolest yes. thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, I, tried I, to I eat. couldn't do that in my neighborhood. No. Just nosy around. Who could? I think you would be a good spy. Thank you. You're I welcome. agree. Because <laughs> Ravenclaws you make like... great spies. They really Damn. do. Wow. Full, full circle. circle. 
Speaking of Mother Maya Angelou, we understand that you have memorized I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. Yep. We would love to hear it. Okay. A free bird leaps on the back of the wind and floats downstream till the current ends and dips his wing in the orange sun rays and dares to claim the sky. But a bird that stalks its narrow cage can barely see through his bars of rage. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The cage bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but long for still. And his tune is heard on the distant hill where the cage bird sings of freedom. The free bird thinks of another breeze and the trade soft winds through the sighing trees and the fat worms waiting on the dawn bright lawn and he names the sky his own. But a cage bird stands on the grave of dreams. His shadow shouts on a nightmare scream. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied so he opens his throat to sing. The cage bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but long for still and his tune is heard on the distant hill where the cage bird sings of freedom. Thank you. Made me a little oh my god, emotional. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Look at Maya's work living through the youth. Thank you. That was so oh, beautiful. Okay. Ashley's tearing up. I'm Everybody's tearing up. Cool. I'm a little, I'm all right, though. Oh my god. I'm okay. That <laughs> got me. That oh. got me. You made everybody Thank cry. You. <laughs> On that note, Miss Marley, Marley. <laughs> if people want to donate books to your 1000 Black Girl Books, campaign how can we do it okay i'm gonna stay slow so that you can fully hear okay. so you can send books to 59 main street west orange new jersey zero seven zero five two and i say that slow <laughs> because i talk very fast <laughs> so hope everybody got that <laughs> thank you is there a website where people can go to read more yes. about the campaign Grassroots, it's all one word, mm-hmm. grassroots community foundation.org. Yep. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, guess what? We have some exciting news for you. Ooh. So we are very excited and proud to say that BuzzFeed is going to be donating copies of all the black girl books that we've been talking about today. Yay! That's nice! Yay! Ooh. We're so happy that you <laughs> took time out of your busy schedule to come by that we wanted to help too. No problem. I screamed when I heard I was going to BuzzFeed. What? I was excited. (laughs) Heavens, time to buy rounds. Ooh, I'm excited. Um, Who are you buying a round for? I would love, love, love to buy a round for SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, listen <laughs> yes. a pineapple under the sea. <laughs> I thought you were just exclaiming. I love this. No, 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 no. I'm saying in the sound. Yo, SpongeBob be going through it. Tell me about SpongeBob. My okay. niece is head over heels in love with SpongeBob. I've seen maybe, maybe one full episode, and I'm like, hmm. whoa, 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 whoa. I just don't get it. Whoa. I mean, I get it, but I don't get it. It just okay, didn't okay. grab me. It's definitely one of those pop culture items that you can you can watch with the kid or you can be the kid watching. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the best representation of that is the fact that I made this quiz called Who Said It? SpongeBob or Nietzsche. <laughs> and it was very difficult. And I would like to play that game with you right now. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm only going to give you a few of them just to illustrate my point about what kind of show SpongeBob is. Like, okay. 
he lives in a pineapple under the sea. Like his friend lives under a rock. You know, they're, right. they're going through it. There's like a squirrel down there. <laughs> yeah. right? He has this horrible job with this horrible boss. <laughs> and he has just this boundless optimism about life. Mm-hmm. Which And he he's a joy to be around even if you don't agree with what he's saying. Hmm. <laughs> so he's just a fun companion. Okay. Um, which is why I think the show works for kids and adults. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to give you some of the quotes. You have to guess if it was... Spongebob or Spongebob Squarepants <laughs> or Friedrich uh, Nietzsche. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. Well, it's no secret that the best thing about a secret is secretly telling someone your secret, thereby adding another secret to their secret collection of secrets secretly. It has to be Spongebob. <laughs> has to be. Is that your final answer? Yes. That is, in fact, Spongebob. <laughs> so that, that's a great assumption that it's Spongebob, but mm-hmm. Nietzsche be writing like this. No way. Yes, this is what philosophers do. <laughs> <laughs> he, he be having these word sentence, like jungle gems. <laughs> He's an interesting dude, though. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, okay. next one. <laughs> I hope my horrible ugliness won't be a distraction for you. Well, whoever it is needs a hug because it's, I know. I'm gonna guess Nietzsche. That was SpongeBob. Oh, SpongeBob! SpongeBob was going through it. Well, he is a sponge. They have never seen a cute sponge. <laughs> wow! I haven't. Have you seen the sponge? You're like, you let SpongeBob live. That's what I'm saying. You know what? You're right. I'm sorry. His I'm horrible ugliness. You're part of the problem. I'm part of the problem. I'm sorry, SpongeBob. I feel like the show really gets to like. I think the best kid shows are about emotions. Mm-hmm. And this is all about SpongeBob's emotions and how he feels about how he looks. Mm-hmm. Aw, I feel bad. N- next one. You should. <laughs> <laughs> I would only believe in a God who could dance. Mm. <laughs> it could go either way. I'm going to guess Nietzsche, though, just because that, it hasn't that been was the right answer yet. <laughs> <laughs> that was our German philosopher friend. Wow, do you think God dances? What if God was one of us? <laughs> <laughs> Just a stranger in your top dance class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I might I might check out SpongeBob in my spare time. If you like dark childhood things. <laughs> or you are a child. <laughs> a precocious one. And you like fun things. Yes, check out SpongeBob. That you don't know are dark yet. Yeah. Just things that make you really think about the world. Good round, good round. Tracy, who are you buying around for? I'm also buying around for a cartoon Ooh. that I like. This cartoon came out. I was well into adulthood when this cartoon was still on the air. <laughs> nice. Started in 2007. What? And I know, I know, right? <laughs> I don't even know how I found it or why, but it's just a really good nonsensical cartoon where nothing makes sense like at all. So does the cartoon it have a name? Is, <laughs> does have a name. It's called Chowder. And I'm going to struggle to tell you what it's about because it's just a weird cartoon. It used to come on um, Cartoon Network. Okay. So Chowder is like, it takes place in this like fictional world called Marzipan City, right? And everything (laughs) is like, (laughs) everything is like, it's like a world of like food, right? Oh my God. Like all the characters have food related names. The main (laughs) character is this purple bunny cat thing named Chowder. (laughs) And he works as um, a bunny cat. He just looks like a bunny cat. (laughs) I don't know. Like he's just like this chubby thing that wears a hat. And when he takes off his hat, he's got ears that kind of look like bunny ears. But he loves to eat so much that he usually ends up eating all the food. Like when they're preparing orders for other people, he has to like deliver them. And he's having like this horrible civil war because he really wants to eat the food, but he wants to do a good job. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
the chef that he works for is named Mung Dal, after an Indian dish. Mm-hmm. And his wife slash assistant is like this little fairy thing named Truffles. See, Heaven's Giving Me a Face. <laughs> it's, it's just a weird show that you have like, really, Like, what are really the shapes of the other characters? So Mung Dal is like this blue human-ish thing with like this he's really thin he's got a huge nose and really big like grandpa teeth oh my gosh <laughs> but he's really nice though okay and um oh my favorite character is this he's called a rock monster i think and it's just like this big brown squarish rock looking thing and his name is schnitzel <laughs> and schnitzel is like the foil to everyone else's goofiness like he comes in to go to work he just wants to do his job and go home. He's always like got to clean up. <laughs> right. He always has to clean up everybody else's messes. Mm. And he doesn't speak. Everybody in the show, in the world, speaks English except for schnitzel. What? It's weird. So schnitzel only says rada, rada, rada. <laughs> How do you know what he's trying to say? Does he have like That's, inflections? Yes, he does. So one of my favorite moments is this one where like Chowder and Schnitzel are like out and like they've <laughs> these names I know I know <laughs> but they like escape some terrible situation or whatever mm-hmm. and Chowder's like yay we did it blah 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 and <laughs> Schnitzel's like rada 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 and Chowder says what do you mean you're still dead inside <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So this is another one of those shows where there's, like, humor that adults can appreciate in the course of it being a ridiculous show about little bunny cat things that are named after food. (laughs) And it's just fun. I really like um, cartoons that are just there for goofiness and Mm. silliness. And there's, like, no point. There's no meaning. It's just... Well, there's some meaning. (laughs) Well... The futility of it all. Schnitzel's going through some (laughs) stuff. He's going through it. (laughs) What a great show! I know this warmed my heart. I know. I'm still, I'm still kind of floating after the Maya, the Maya poem. I know. <sighs> Thanks so much to Marley and Ashley for coming by the studio and talking to us about Black Girl Books and making us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. You can check out Ashley's work at ashleyc4.net. And you can find out more about Miss Marley's 1000 Black Girl Books campaign at grassrootscommunityfoundation.org. As always, <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> want to give it, <laughs> want to give it a, want to, want to give it a shout. I'm sorry. As, <laughs> I'm going to need you to chill. Okay. As always, we want to give a shout out to the Pod Squad. Pod Squad. Pod Squad. <laughs> You always start out so I know, so strong. It just goes to a place. You just gotta believe. <laughs> this episode was produced by Eleanor Kagan and Antonia Sarahito with production help from Julia Furland, Jenna Weiss Berman, and Meg Kramer. Thanks to Paul Ruest at Argo Studios. Yay, Paul! Woo! Thank you to our brilliant and gracious musicians, Miss Jean Gray. You can follow her on Twitter at Jean Greasy and Don Will of the Almighty Tanya Morgan. You can follow him on Twitter at D O N W I L L. Thank you to Optimus Prime. I need to look at that list and figure out what the other <laughs> names were. You Not know, you've that said I don't appreciate <laughs> Optimus Prime. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Um, I want to give a shout out to Tracy. I feel like you should have a cartoon of your own. Like your brain is a perfect Venn diagram of children's show and deep philosophical you are so right. uh, morning. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is my new dream and ambition in life. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you. I see all the light in you, Tracy. Aww. 
Thank so you, much joy. <laughs> if you want more joy in your life, you should obviously be subscribed to the newsletter. It's so good. It's so good, honestly. I don't even like newsletters. <laughs> Who likes email? Right. <laughs> <laughs> To subscribe, go to BuzzFeed.com slash Another Round slash newsletter. And every Friday around noonish, you get more Another Round. In more joy. Right. Hey, guys, hit us on the buzz. Yes. Twitter, Facebook, email. Another Round on everything. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Another Round at BuzzFeed.com. If you, you need some advice, you mm-hmm. just need to let something out. <laughs> if you need to love on us, please feel free. Yeah, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> and if you like the show, rate us on iTunes. If not, maybe try meditation because something's not right yeah, in yourself. Just center yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if you really like us, nominate us for a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Once you're done nominating us for a Nobel Peace Prize, drink some water, take your meds, call your mom. Oh my God, I have a great new floss. Oh my god! I really want to tell everybody about it, but I need to give it a couple of new, a couple more uses first. <laughs> want to be honest with the people it. about the floss? <laughs> yes, but so far it's so good. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Clearly, it's bringing so much joy to your life. It's just so good. I hope something is bringing you as much joy as floss is bringing Tracy. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye. Well, next time you come back, you have to bring her so we can talk about our favorite animals. Mine is a penguin, for the record, in case you were wondering. I think penguins smell bad. I'm sorry. I think they smell bad. (laughs) But they're so adorable. Nice save. Nice save. They are so adorable. (laughs) F is for friends who do stuff together. U is for you and me. (laughs) N is for anywhere, anytime at all, down here in the deep blue sea. So that would be you. (laughs) And then there's SpongeBob's arch nemesis. Uh, plankton. Oh, he's a little <laughs> he's evil tiny green thing. I like him. So his version of the song is F is for fire that burns down the whole town. <laughs> Use for uranium bombs. And <laughs> <laughs> is for no survivors. Oh my god. It was dark. I was like, yo, Plankton's going through it. <laughs> he does not like our entire species. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> <laughs>